Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 207 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Fuck the world and everyone in it. I am so mad. Sam is so mad. We hate life after... Oh. pristine crystal clear audio goodness last week we getting did, all the compliments dude we had so many people reaching out just saying how good it sounded and then it sounded like we were in the same room again and it felt like the podcast was back and and, and you take two steps forward and five steps back because the website that we would use and this and the company we would use is clearly having technical issues tonight and uh, and it's already nine o'clock, and I'm just I'm not waiting guys, anymore. I wish you should have saw me and Greg's faces of like, guys, what are we gonna do? Like, do we do it? Do we not do it? Because just because we know the quality was so good, we guys we troubleshot this for over an hour. Oh, it's God. it's we 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 have decided to go back to the phone tonight, even though we don't want to. Uh, it's better than not but, but doing a pod it, at all. This is it. We, th- we me and Greg we made a stand. We're going to attempt that hopefully this website next week is going to be working. If not, we're going to risk it all. And I'm, and I'm going to travel to Greg. So at least the audio quality will be back. And it's just, it's so beyond frustrating. And, uh, and uh, here we are. It's two Oh seven. We're not live on Squawker. We are, <laughs> we are live on Wi-Fi calling on the iPhone 11. Oh. And, uh, Listen, listen, we got our picks of the week. We got trivia. It's 12 and a half to 12 and a half. We're starting with TV tonight because uh, one of our favorite shows, at least the first six seasons, is coming back. <laughs> we have our final impressions of the boys season two as that's over. Uh, so a lot of stuff in TV. We got movies. We got stuff, you know, just stuff. Uh, we got games, more stuff. PS5 unveiled its UI, so we got to look at that. Got some DMC5, some Devil May Cry news in there. And then uh, towards the end of the episode, we do have an interview. So we've, we, we, we will be taking you live to the past, to 7.30 p.m. tonight, uh, where we conducted a 30-minute interview with our boy Sergio Anello, formerly – well, not formerly. He's of the early November, but he does his side stuff. So he'll be joining us a little later in the show to talk about his new record coming out uh, – October 23rd. So we're psyched on that. Um, and then we got a top three that we were really looking forward to doing. Um, but you know, we can do in one hand and crap in the other and see which one gets filled first. Uh, and, and we can go fuck ourselves because that's the night we're having. It's, it's late. It's only nine o'clock and some people listen, that's not late for you. That's late for us. Yeah. It's, you know, both of us were probably up around four or five o'clock for work and we, yeah, it's been a long day. Not only that, not only that, but this is just the beginning of our journey. Recording's like the easy part, man. We got to do all the post stuff. So it's going to be a, a long night for sure. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Our picks of the week. And, you know, again, I, I really didn't get a chance to say much. So I'm going to save this one for when we talk about in TV. But I went with the boys, man. I, I wanted to say the boys after the first episode. They just push the envelope. Every single episode, just where you think they do something that they can't get more maniacal or do something crazy. They flip the switch. They do it. Guys, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you lived on a rock. If you never watched the boys on Amazon Prime, easily one of the best shows right now. 
go go try for three for 30 days bang out them what eight or I think it's 16 episodes total mm-hmm. bang them all out one of the best shows out right now the and, boys and we also have the billy butcher short film coming soon so we're looking forward to that and, and we didn't get no release date on that right uh-uh. yeah and i didn't see nothing I'm a little upset uh, my pick of the week is an HBO Max original. Um, I'd like to think that it's it was not shot just for HBO Max because it's a show from Scotland and England, like the UK. Um, and I feel like it's older than 2019 or 2020, whenever it de- debuted, debuted with HBO Max or this year. I'd like to think it's it might have been like shot last year, released over in the UK last year, and then it came to the States via HBO Max. But I don't know, and I didn't do enough research to, to look it up, but I love the damn show. Uh, it's called Pure. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. So it's a, it's a young girl. I think she's 23 or 24. Her name is Marnie. Uh, she lives in Scotland. She has these compulsively sexual thoughts, um, and it could be like she could be in the library, in the 85-year-old library, and she just has just quick sexual thoughts about that person, but not like in a way that she wants to act on them, just weird sexual thoughts and she gets up so in her head about it that she kind of goes nuts and she ends up just leaving Scotland and moving to England to London more specifically to try and cope and as the show goes you find out more about you know that it's not that uncommon and it's you know it's uh they they do diagnose it and she meets people on the way to help her and this that and the other and it was a really good just like mid-20s uh kind of dark comedy-ish deal. It's got some funny stuff, but I just thought that, you know, while I don't have those types of thoughts of sexual nature, I do have very compulsive thoughts about something else. You've seen me at my worst with those, like at a concert yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I related very heavily and it's, it's short. It's, I think it's only six episodes might be eight, but I think it's six and they're like 35 minutes each. You can bang it out in a day, pure on HBO max, really good stuff. Interesting. Uh, I know it's not like this is not a type of show I normally would have found myself. Any, any, any actors or actresses we know? Nope, or? nobody. No. Never heard of anybody okay. in the show, and I liked that. I liked that a lot. And the main character was phenomenal. She actually stole the screen. So is it just one season? Or yeah, yeah. I don't know even about a second or nothing. I know nothing okay. about it besides I just loved watching it and I wanted to to share it. So let's get into trivia. It's twelve and a half for me, twelve and a half for you, and a race to eleven win by two. I'm going to give you the question first. This week, um, as I believe, I believe you're about to take the lead. So I want to just get it out of the way. I don't know, man. I, yours is in your alley, so we'll see. Even if it's just for a minute, you might just take the lead. All right, I'll, I'll take it. What is the only Pokemon type that is unable to do super effective moves? I feel like this is so obvious and I don't know it. So, so say the question again. So of all the 18 types of Pokemon... What is the only type of Pokemon that is unable to actually do a move that is super effective? An attack, if you will, that's super effective. Uh, I don't know. Like like a type, like a like they're they're psychic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for example, I'll I'll take one away. I will take one away. Water. If you're Blastoise and you do Hydro Pump to Charizard, it's super yeah, it's effective. Super effective. Yeah, so yeah, water yeah. is not the answer. What type is unable to have an attack that is that can be super effective? Uh, I don't know if this is one or not. Let me hear him just to play it safe. 
Is it the ghost type? Is it the fairy type? Is it the bug type? Or is it the normal type? I'm torn because both my guesses are there. I'm trying to think. I thought ghosts can be super effective. What was D? D was the normal type. Let's go normal. That's correct. Yeah, I was. It was. It was. It was ghost or, or normal. Yeah, there. There. If you're a normal type Pokemon like Pidgey or Rattata, they don't. Normal doesn't have. Yeah. Uh, right. Anything I, as strong. I, I'm, I'm glad. I. I'm glad I. Got him because I, I was like literally 50 50 split. You know what the shit end of the stick of that is? Even worse than not having a super effective move is normal type Pokemon are weak to fighting. So, like, not only can't oh they God. do super effective damage, <laughs> they can get all sorts of hooked up. That's why if you're rocking a normal type, then uh, then you're, you're in trouble. But you know what? There is a gym leader in Gen 3 that is a normal type gym leader. I believe his name is Norman. He's actually the player's dad. He's got a normal name. So yeah. you know. Norman, normal. Never actually never thought of that. <laughs> never All occurred right. to me that that's a thing. Good for you, man. <laughs> All right, man. I, I think you got this. So I, I think you're actually going to take the lead. For just so you, like you just know these weird facts, and let, let's see if I'm right. How many music tracks from Tony Hawk One and Two Remaster did not make the cut from the original two games? No idea. I know there's like 37 tracks or something like that. Um, but I, I don't know how many didn't make it because I don't know how many there were. Uh, all like all my favorites from like that I remember are there. Remember. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think it's like high single digits, maybe. So let's let's just hear the answers. Okay, we have A one, B three, C five, D seven. I was seven was my answer, so let's go seven. Incorrect. B was three. Ah. I, I know you with Tony Hawk and music. I thought you might have just dug and just known this research, but I thought it was an interesting question. It was right up your alley. Yeah, I man, that remake is so disappointing. Oh. I hope I, I was hoping for better. But it's 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 fun as shit. It's just it gets really old really quick. He said I'm back to Skater X. That's it's just <laughs> it's just so it's just superior. It's so good. I actually was playing it uh uh like Six o'clock this morning. All right. Uh, let's get into TV. The big story of the week. It doesn't matter what medium we're talking about. It just happens to be a television story, my friend. Dexter is coming back. That's right. Showtime's Dexter with Michael C. Hall is coming back fall 2021 for a limited series. It's not like a reboot. They're not redoing season nine here uh, of the show. They're not bringing back the show. But they're doing a limited series and they're bringing back Michael C. Hall as the titular role of Dexter. This kind of came out of nowhere, but also something that was like, well, fuck, thank God. Yeah, like, again, like, we love, I mean, the first four seasons of the show is is one of the best ever. It, it's phenomenal. Just the last season, they just took a swing and completely missed. I consider this a worse ending than Game of Thrones, hands down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it, I, I actually liked, go ahead, you you go. I was going to say, it was 10 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Maybe 12. I think Showtime did like 12. I, I cannot remember, but I want to say Dexter did 12, 12 episode seasons, not 10. Uh, uh, no, I think they did, but for this one, I, I think it was just 10. Let me see. Yeah, while you're, looking that, while you're looking that up, I'll just say that I actually love the first five seasons, and that includes like the Jordan stuff from season five with uh, 
Oh, I can't remember her name. Ten things I hate about you, Julia Stiles. Oh no, she was. Oh, she was in the first five. Okay, the first five is perfect. Yeah, I, I, I like that. But but to me, Game of Thrones uh, was such a bigger show culturally, and it was just. I mean, if it didn't end the way it did, it'd have been my favorite show of all time, even passing Breaking Bad. And so, like for me, I think Dexter is probably number two. I mean, clearly, it is clearly number two on like. Shows I idolized and ended up just hating the ending of. Yeah, so we got 10-episode limited series, Michael C. O. reprising his role, and Clyde Phillips returning as the showrunner. Yeah, which is, you know, could be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a 50-50. Eight, I mean, hey, he did great for five seasons that just fell off a little bit. I mean, listen, I've said it a million times in the show. I'll say it a million and one. Season six had a choice to make when Jennifer Carpenter's character entered the church. They yeah, oh, yeah. They went left, and they should have gone right. And, and it's just, my goodness, if, if there was a, a, the two of them do making a grand getaway and being chased by the police, this show could have ended better than you ever could have imagined, but it turned out to just go every which way. They had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea how to wrap it up. They just knew that they had to. So I really hope that this limited series, um, either, either that was a dream and I'll even accept that at this point and it never happened and they're going to do it the right way. Or it'll pick up, you know, with him kind of like El Camino style, where it's right after the finale. You see him eating breakfast with that smile. You know, we won't give it away of what he was doing or, you know, how he was dressed or his profession. But I'd like to think that, you know, it might even pick up from there and maybe give us that one last. He's chasing a serial killer. And does he get the kill thing? Yeah. And one thing I remember that they always ask him, like, what we see, like, will you come back? And he said, never. Like, I remember Michael C. Hall. It'll never happen. And then funny that they announced uh, was yesterday or two days ago it was announced, but Stephen Amell retweeted. That's why I say you never say never because he was always gets asked for arrow when you brought back and he never said no, never. This is why I never say it because stuff like this. And I was like, boom, nailed it. It is as simple to me as, and I don't mean any disrespect to Michael C. Hall, but his career, I think he thought he was going to kind of get launched into the stratosphere because of Dexter and kind of be a bigger deal and get these, you know, high profile jobs because of how, you know, how big of a show Dexter was and like kind of the, the cult cultural phenomenon that it was. And it just didn't happen. And I think the last two seasons kind of put a damper on his career. And he did some stuff on Netflix. He's, he's done some other stuff, but like he was never a huge name actor. And I think it just makes sense. This is a second chance for him to get his acting career back on track as well and do it right. And I think that, you know, 10 episodes about a year from now, listen, I can wait a year and, and I'm totally willing to. I think this is a really good news uh, story and, and I'm here for it. And I'm, I'm looking at all his like his movies that he did since then. And the only one that I remember, like I actually saw and liked. I don't ever see Gamer. Yeah. He was in that with Gerard Butler. I really like that film. I feel like No Choke, that was probably his best film he's ever been in. Mm-hmm. Just looking at his credits. Oh, he played on Man Bat in Justice League Gods and Monsters. Ain't that- I, 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 liked, I liked Safe. It was on Netflix, a Harlan Coben thing. I, I liked that a lot. And that was but but he had this weird fake British accent and it was very, very noticeable. Nah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't watch that. Yeah. I mean, I did like his show Six Feet Under. Like that's what's basically got him on the map. Was yeah. that show? Yeah. So. But I mean, Dexter was that was his money. He's he's going back to his bread and butter. I, th- I think he learned his lesson. And I'm I'm happy that he's coming back. I I'm interested to see if like Jennifer Jennifer Carpenter's character. No, wait, never mind. 
Yeah, I was. I was like, yeah, still, yeah, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Let's, <laughs> let's just uh, again. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's all just a dream. Uh, I don't know. Again, just again. This show, it just it deserves a better ending. I mean, it. it I don't want it to be the show that's literally. It's it's the worst ending of a show that I've ever I ever watched. And please, it, it deserves another chance. I think ten episodes. They had. Almost ten years to think of something else of, of a better way out. So hopefully it's something good. Sam, if if we had our top three hopes for this series, I would skip two and three, and I would just give you my number one, and I would say this opens at that church scene, and then they oh, go, wow. and then they oh. go the way they should have. And this is the Berlanti Productions. Having Mark Guggenheim is an executive producer. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I have a little more hype for this show now. Um, okay. I couldn't be more hype, man. This literally, they could fuck this up, and it would still be better than what we could. <laughs> I agree. I don't think it could be worse. All right. Speaking of things that just only get better with age, uh, we're talking about the boys now. Season two is over. You know, we will not do a spoiler thing here. So spare it because we understand that people have not finished it yet. It's less than a week old from the finale. But uh, first and foremost, what'd you think about the finale? And then what'd you think about the season overall? I mean, I, I thought the ending was, I, I think they told you, they gave us everything that they showed us or teased us. They gave us that payoff at the end. Would you agree with that? Yeah. The only story I felt a little lacking was the deep. And I, I truly hope they can, they can feature him more in season three. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think this the season two was a was an A plus. I just I really wanted I wanted more of the deep storyline. I mean, of course, uh, you, we we already know that we we both love him. the character of the deep. I think he's freaking hilarious. I, I what I heard was that they were setting he was supposed to have a bigger role in, in season three. So I think he'll be happy. That we'll both be happy with that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Anthony Starr's Homelander is he's the man. Like anytime he's on screen, I I, I just feel like he he, he kind of just takes it. Is he your favorite character of the series? Well, not the deep. The, I I, I freaking love the deep. I don't know what it is about that character. I think he's hilarious. But Homelander and, and of course Butcher. He's just been on. You don't know what this guy's going to do next. Yeah, I I would actually say this season my favorite character um, was once the chase scene happened uh, in the apartment complex and she killed the brother. Um, then Stormfront became probably my favorite part of the season. I hated her at first. I thought she was so annoying. I didn't think they were going anywhere with it. But then once they hit the gas on that character, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Um, Homelander was all, was phenomenal as always. I really love the Huey, you know, character. I really love the Starlight character. Yeah, they're cute. They're a cute little couple. I like that a lot. Um, Frenchie is phenomenal. His his. You know, again, no spoilers. He had an awesome story arc. Awesome. I I really liked the flashbacks, the way they integrated that. I loved his uh, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner little monologue that he gave there. I thought that was phenomenal. And I really, I saw the ending coming. I I absolutely knew the person who was doing the thing was the person doing the thing. And and now it all makes sense a little bit more, even in in uh, in hindsight. But man. Great show. I, I, I'm not going to lie, though. I like season one better. I did. But th- that I mean, doesn't I, mean I, this was bad. No, and I think I, I would probably say the same just because when I dove in, I didn't see one trailer. I never read the comic book. I legit knew nothing. I was just so blindsided. That's why I would say season one is still my favorite. Yeah. I also, I, now that I think about it, I would have liked a bigger role, not only from the deep, 
But I, I would have liked a, a little bit of a better role from uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I feel like there could have been more there. Maybe a little less Ashley and a little more Giancarlo Esposito, even if they were playing a similar role or character. She never, I never, ever, ever really gravitated towards her character. Um, I, and I like Giancarlo Esposito as an actor. He's maniacal. He's every time he's on the screen, he's you never know what the hell is going to happen. And I think he was a little underutilized. I, I wonder if he they just only had him for a little bit of time, just him kind of doing with the, the Mandalorian. He was doing the stuff for the game. I just, you know, they only probably had him for X amount of time. But that was that, I, I hear you. I would have loved more more yeah. screen time for him. But that, that was my my thought. There. Yeah. It, it, listen, phenomenal show. Phenomenal season. Um, I, again, I don't think it stands up to the first, but that doesn't mean it's bad. I just think that the first gave us expectations and something to live up to. Uh, for this season, whereas when you went into the first, you had no idea what you were getting yourself into, even if you read the comic books, because there's a lot of differences from the books uh, oh, yeah. in the show. So really, really good. It does leave season three, definitely has an arc already building, and we now know, too, that our, our boy from Supernatural is going to be in the show as Soldier, yeah, as Soldier Boy. So. You know, more soups will be uh, introduced in the third season. And Homelander has a heart, and he also likes to uh, do things off the top of buildings. I was going to Eric Kripke, the the, the showrunner, Connie Anthony Starr said, "You know, what's in store for Homelander in season three? He said, "I give it to you in two words: homicidal maniac." maniac. That's I'm so psyched. I was like, oh, I, even though I was already on board anyway, so just. Set Homelander loose and let me see what you got. HBO Max has greenlit a 10-episode Green Lantern series, uh, although with one omission that I know that you would have loved to see. No, like there's there's so many thoughts. Okay, we already knew that they were working on the, the, the Green Lantern series. Jeff Johns, we were just kind of waiting for that greenlit. Just for them to say the episodes when it's coming. Everyone thought, you know, hey, Hal Jordan, he's you know the one of the most popular Green Lanterns. I was kind of hoping Jon Stewart. But here's why I'm okay with it. So we're going to have Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, and of course, Sinestro and Kilowog. Great. That's all great. I I love everybody. Guy Gardner, he'll be okay. But as long as they get the right actor, he could be great. My thought, I guess it's kind of spoilers for Arrow. So I hope you guys watched Arrow. They tease at the end of Arrow of a certain character finding a ring. My thought is, well, he, at the end of that, he said he was kind of going to Metropolis. So I assume he's going to appear in the super at the Lois and Clark show over there, the Superman show. Why not? He can cross over here. It's all in that same universe. It's all under the same, uh, Berlanti production. And so it makes sense to me that, okay, maybe Diggle will take the part of John Stewart. Mm-hmm. That's why we're not getting him in here. So I, I'm perfectly okay. We're getting the big bad Sinestro. I know my boy Neil's happy. He picked up his first appearance in comics. For, uh, Sinestro, he's obviously one of Green Lantern's biggest villains. And, of course, you're getting like, one of my fan favorites of the Green Lantern is Kilowog. Kilowog so is pro- awesome. I, we were DMing back and forth with another podcast about this. And I, I looked him up and I was like, dude, that's what a huge creature. Yeah, like, and he's actually one of the one of the things that I actually liked about the Green Lantern of Ryan Reynolds movie was Kilowog. I always liked him in uh, it did uh, it was like Justice League, uh, Justice League Unlimited. They had Kilowog. I always thought he was a great character and you know not used enough. So and like Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz, like they're the two newer 
uh, Green Lanterns. They didn't. I don't think they were in comics. They didn't make their first appearance until I think like 2017, 2018. So they're the newest. But you're getting the OG Alan Scott. You're getting Guy Gardner. So you're getting you know the guys that've been around for a while. So the day one watch for me. Come on. That's awesome. I'll, I'll give it a shot too. I really, you know me in DC. Uh, I'll always give it a shot. It just depends if I'll stick around. And this is just another one I'm psyched to to give a shot to. Hey, you watching DC music to my ears? We, we got first looks at Hulu's new original series, the Animaniacs reboot, and also the Modoc series. Starting with the Animaniacs, I thought it looked cool, but Modoc is where I want to talk about because I know you have some choice words. Yeah, I just I thought Animaniacs like like you okay, you know whatever. But Modoc, dude, I'm out. I, I did not like the look a little bit. I, I was just shocked that that's what they're getting. Like, I, I think when you said it looked like robot chickens. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, you're not wrong. And I'm looking like that's where they went. Like, it's a shame. Like, I really like Pat Oswalt, but I, I don't like the animation. It's, listen, I can't say that I love all these video games that have these crazy art styles and I commend them for it and then turn around and hate the fact that TV shows are trying something different. It's trying something different. It doesn't just look like any other show. It stands out. Modoc is a character that I want to learn more about. It is more of a children's geared thing. It's not like a Harley Quinn where it's totally made for adults or a lot of these other DC shows. This is going to be, you know, for the kiddies. But to give a little bit more on Modoc, I like the the claymation slash robot chicken style art style. I really do. This show, it didn't bother me so much. Where I think I am is, thank God I have Hulu because this isn't something I'd rush to even start a trial for. But it's another one of the things, man. I'll give it a shot. I absolutely will. I'm just at a point where I didn't hate it, but like. It didn't do anything for me, you know? Yeah, I, I just think maybe I expected a little bit more from it. I don't know. It, it, what else I, would I, you want, though? Hand-drawn animation? And that just doesn't happen often anymore. I, I just, just like, I go, I like Robot Chicken, but I I don't know. I wasn't expecting, like, to be a knockoff of Robot Chicken. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, again, Modoc's not really a character I care too much about. Obviously, I'm more of a DC guy than Marvel. But I mean, I'll hear what people say. Unless people say, Sam, give it a shot. This show's awesome. But right now, I am 100% out. I know what you did last summer is being rebooted as a TV series for Amazon Prime. <laughs> is that what we needed? I, I don't even know I, how many episodes. I don't episodes. remember when the movie came out. I, the, listen, there was I know what you did. There's I still know what you did. There's I absolutely remember what you did last summer. I remember what you did. There's, it's just a, like a lot of those. That, and listen, if they can get three films, they can surely get 10 episodes. But I have no idea where they're going to go with this. Um, I, 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 I'm <laughs> kind of speechless. Boat, I'm kind of speechless. Ashley likes horror. So, like, of course, we're going to try it. And uh, I'm actually going to step up to the plate. We're going to try uh, Haunting a Hill House and then Bly Manor. So I'll let you oh, know. I'll let you know if I'm still alive next week after all my anxiety. But yeah. uh, you'll, you'll be all right, brother. I have faith. Let's move to the movies where we have a review for Batman Death in the Family. Uh, Bat- I, and, I, and I heard mixed things. I didn't see it yet. I have the Blu-ray in the other room. Didn't watch it yet. But I heard a lot of mixed things, so I'm interested to see the review you read. Batman, Death in the Family, definitely wins points for originality. Rather than simply rehash a familiar story or deliver the Under the Red Hood prequel nobody asked for, this DC showcase movie 
honors the spirit of the source material by giving viewers a chance to dictate the course of Jason Todd's story for themselves. It's a novel approach that gives Death in the Family more rewatch value than most. But ultimately, the movie is let down by its small scope and the fact that so many of its possible storylines wind up leading Jason down similar paths. Six out of ten. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my boy Steve Badaholic on IG, he literally said, save your money. And it was already, I already bought it. I buy it all the DC movies. I said, like, Steve, I got to watch it. So I looked on the back. I see runtime. It says anywhere from 18 minutes to 31 minutes. I didn't even, I thought it was a full movie. I didn't even realize it. We're basically just getting a little short. I was like, all right, that kind of sucks. And then I, I always look because they always kind of give you little DC showcase. I'm like, oh, cool. Wonder what new one they made. They, they put four old ones. I think it's Phantom Stranger, Death, uh, Sergeant Rock, and I'm forgetting one. I can't think of what it is. Oh, and it might be um, Adam Strange. So they were little DC shorts that were already put in four other movies that came out last. So it's like, oh, they just threw them in this one? Like, this has felt like a little bit of DC kind of just milking everything. And they, and I think Amazon, I think it was $17.99 or $19.99. This should have been like a $10 buy. If it's something you're really not getting, it's nothing. You're only getting maximum 31 new minutes of, of, of material. I, I didn't even see it yet. And I'm already like, ah, crap. I mean, I'm still going to see it. I'm going to pick every scenario, whether I kill them, save them, figure something out. I'm, I'm going to watch everything. And then next week, I'll, I'll give you my review about it. Even though Black Adam was taken off the release schedule, it has made a new casting Sarah Shahi, what do you think? And that's uh, she's an actor. She's actually been in uh, quite a few things. She's actually Steve Howley's wife. He's in Shameless. Um, I assume that she got cast as Isis. Is that's like I, I believe Black one of Black Adam's lovers or his wife or one. I I think that like they they could keep re- reincarnated. I don't know if that's like a Hawkman Hawkgirl situation, but I know that's like his girl. So I just assume that that that's who she's playing. I don't know, but if, if it is, I'm 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 all for that casting. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about it except uh, we don't know when this movie's coming. Simple as that. <laughs> but I mean, it's good to see, that even though it was taken off the schedule, that they're still getting actors and actresses. So well, that, I feel good about that. The, the problem is, this casting was not like yesterday. I'm assuming it was done before last week's news of it being pulled. But The Rock did announce it on his monstrous Instagram. So that all that's always a good sign when The Rock's. 200 I mean, million followers. Hey, I, I was going to say, when you have 200 million followers, I mean, that's the best spot to, you know, give a casting announcement. Can you just imagine logging on to that on your phone and seeing how many freaking notifications you have at any time? No, I, I dude, I, I, there's no way. There's he, no, he, he has to have everything blocked. There's no way. He could post a photo of a fingernail, and that's it, just a fingernail on a table. It would get over a million likes. That's insane. Oh, my God. It's insane. Dude. Yo, when he does his little tequila when he's making drinks, I'm always watching like, oh, this will be a good concoction. <laughs> Gail Godot is teaming back up with director Patty Jenkins, and she'll play the lead role in a Cleopatra film. That's nice. No, I, I think that's actually great casting. It's, yeah. it's good to see them two teaming up for, I believe, their third film together. I don't know if they ever worked on another film, but I imagine it's the third. And I'm interested. Cleopatra has definitely an interesting past, to say the least. I couldn't think, I'm not being sarcastic, I couldn't think of a better person to play Cleopatra than Gal Gadot. No, I, I, like, that's, to me, like, that's, even, like, even when she was cast as, as Wonder Woman, I was, I could definitely see it. I just, you know, the only thing we knew her from 
that was Fast and the Furious, and obviously she was perfect for the role. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'll definitely see this movie. I'm gonna speed run through the last four movie stories, and then we're gonna get to gaming. If you have anything you want to say about any of these four stories, just wait till I'm done, and then give me your thoughts. Gotcha. Adam's Family Two has been announced for Halloween 2021. The Mad Max Furiosa prequel has made some huge castings, uh, including, I believe, was it um, Chris Hemsworth? I believe. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Yep. Ridley Scott is making a new film, Kit Bag, that will star Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon. It's pretty cool. And Amazon has purchased Eddie Murphy's Coming to America 2 for over $120 million. Anything you want to say about any of those stories? The Mad Max Furiosa, I think that's a great idea. Uh, Charlie Theron, I thought she was fantastic as Furiosa. So to get her, get a little story of her younger and Chris Hemsworth, dude, he's in every every action flick right now, so he's hot. So it makes sense that you're going to throw him in that movie. Uh, Ridley Scott, God bless him for still making movies. I think Joaquin's going to be great as Napoleon. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I feel like that's a perfect casting. And I believe Amazon purchased Coming to America for $125 million. I love Coming to America. The first one was freaking hilarious. This makes it easier for me because I'm a Prime member. I will definitely be watching Coming to America too. And I'll take it over in gaming. We started off, we got one review. We got Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Yeah, the augmented reality thing where you buy the cart with the camera and you can set it up around your house however you want. Uh, it's out now, and, and Home Circuit's mixed reality novel excels when you have the space and motivation to make your courses flourish. But occasional tech hiccups and clogged wheels are hazards, just as dangerous as any blue shell. That said, when I, when I took the time to really lean into the creative challenge building a track presented me with, I was often rewarded by having a blast racing on it. Some familiar mechanics get lost in the translation to AR, but... This is still an enjoyable Mario Kart game, no matter what roadway I made. Six, five, seven. Okay, I, th I thought maybe the hiccups they might have been lowered. All right. Finally, we got our first look at the PS5 UI via the state of play. And it was just shadow dropped. I love that. Hey, here it is. Watch it. It's 12 minutes long, and we're going to show off the UI. It's a shame the UI was just completely meh. Oh, you weren't you weren't feeling it? No. Why the hell would I feel that? It did nothing to excite me. It's it's it's. It, how do I, I say? Think it, it? It it showed to me. It showed basically like it super similar to what they show Xboxes. It's super fast load times where you can kind of jump in on a game at a certain level or something like that. I thought that was neat. Yeah, but like the cards are stupid. The you know I, I what I I liked this. I like that. You, the, there are in-game hints that the developer can actually develop into these title cards and you can actually pin it to your screen and watch the hint and play along with it. That was pretty neat instead of, as the guy said, doing one of those web searches like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I, I bet when he was playing the game and like I could, another guy was watching them play Uncharted and that was, I was like, no, that's pretty freaking neat, I and, thought. And here's the thing about all of this, right? Uh, most people, most people, not everybody, you know, even people that are more hardcore than we are at gaming, most people, this is not a make or break thing. Like the UI to me, I don't give a fuck. Like I, I'm, I turn it on. I hit the little PlayStation button. I pick what game I want or I go to the store. I buy it. I play it. I turn it off and that's it. I don't, I don't necessarily care a hundred percent about the UI. And I don't like play online games as much, so I don't really care about, you know, 
party chats and, and all the things you can do now, sending attachment files with your friend. None of that matters to me. I think what matters is how fast do the games load, which we got a good idea of today. Um, yeah. very fast. How quickly but that's all I need. That's all I needed. Right. How quickly you can switch between games, but that shit is not new. That shit that, that we expected that we knew was coming. So what this had a chance to do was show us the cool intricacies that how the trophies work. Do I have to, does a trophy thing pop in the top left, take up part of my screen, then I have to hit the button, then it takes me to the fucking homepage where it loads in for five minutes, and then I can finally see what I did, or is it just instantaneous? The thing I loved about Xbox's achievements way back on the 360 was it popped up at the bottom of the screen, it was a little intrusive for subtitles if that was the case, but it popped up, it said what the achievement was, it said what you had to do to do it, and it gave you the amount of gamer score that you were getting. You never had to hit the damn button. So I was hoping for a little bit more in the trophies stuff. Other than that, all these features, man, most people, you and me included, we might check it out day one, but it's not shit we're ever really going to use. So just how are the games, how fast do they load, and how quickly can I go between them? That all worked fine for me. If there was shit that was like intricate and cool and hidden, that's another thing. They didn't give us that. And the thing that bothered me the most is this was a video Sony literally put together themselves and released on their own blog for us to enjoy. But at the end said, there's a lot more stuff we wanted to show you, but we couldn't fit it. What? You made this video. <laughs> to, to me, to me that, that just showed, okay, and another, I would imagine next week they might release a little bit of something else. The following week, a little another teaser. I just think we're going to get little tidbits every week now. That, that would be my guess. I, I hope so, but it, it just like... I mean, like you, I don't, I don't, I didn't need to see the UI. I already have it pre-ordered. It's already paid for. Like, it, it's done. Like, no matter what, I'm already getting it. So... They they sold that they won and, and, and for me they they won me over. I think well, that's the thing. I think that that was a hundred percent intentional. Pre-orders went live before you saw what you were buying, and I think if that was the other way around, they wouldn't have lost a ton of sales. But people, listen, I was watching a PlayStation channel, a PlayStation centric channel where the four hosts do not play Xbox or Switch. They are PlayStation people, and they were like, "Could this be any less like?" well over like it's it's underwhelming it was un it was so like i wonder for the hardcores if they if this was before the 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 system went pre-ordered and people were like that's all we're getting is is this then it might be a different story but they have most this is a console that's widely widely pre-ordered and it's going to sell like gangbusters at the end of the day it's the ui and thank god it's not a game and we're not talking about you know shitty games like some other Arms. consoles have to have to worry about <laughs> So uh, uh, that's cool, but it does what I expected it to do. I just was hoping for some surprises. I didn't get that, so I was just a little over uh, underwhelmed. That's all. Sony has revealed all the PS4 games that won't be backwards compatible with the PS5. And there's like 10, and it's no game that anybody who listens to this pod would really have to worry about. Um, all the things you expect or want to be there will be available to play backwards compatible on PS5, which is a good thing. Yeah, and that was one thing I wasn't worried. All, all the games I play are big enough that either they're they're going to be compatible or they're going to just release a PS5 version, it's, like the next story. Well, real quick, it's just a it's just this story. Now we know what's going to be available and what's not. It does ease the mind of the people that were like, "Oh, maybe I want to stick with PS4 for a while yeah. until I get through my catalog." You don't have to do that anymore. For you know, again, just like ten or eleven games, so that that's a good thing to push people over the edge to get the five. 
the physical version of Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition launches on December 1st for next gen. And what I love about this strategy, if you want it digitally, well, it's going to be available on launch day for both consoles, so November 10th and 12th respectively. That's a great strategy. Yeah, I, I agree. Hey, like, I'm, I'm going to wait patiently. You know me. I like that physical copy. It's already in Amazon. I already have it saved in my car. I, Borderlands. Oh, you're going to add something? No, nah, I was just going to say I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're not even going to get the digital edition. No, I'm not. I, I can't wait to play it again. Like Honestly, that could be my game of the year. Borderlands 3 next-gen upgrades updates will be available at launch for both consoles nothing else to report there but if you're playing borderlands and you're not done yet and you want to upgrade consoles you can i don't know i i don't know though if the playstation 5 is going to carry the save support because i read somewhere that uh bringing ps4 data over to ps5 is actually a sony problem not an insomniac games problem and it might be bigger than the spider-man thing so that might actually be an issue. You might have to start your game over, which could be, especially for a game like Borderlands where you put hundreds of hours in. That oh, could that be a, suck. That could be a kick in the knackers. Ugh, pissed. And the last story I got, just two words, Spider-Cat. Uh, a suit in Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to have Spider-Cat in it that comes out and swats them in the face and helps you fight. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll I, take all the help I can get. I didn't think I wanted that game any more than I than I could have, and now I found a way. I have found a way to want that game even more. It's that simple. Well, interesting, because I kind of thought you were like, eh. No, I've, I fucking want the shit out of it. I just didn't want to buy a PS5 for it. Once I knew yeah. it was coming to four, I dude, it's already paid for. I'm good. I'm I'm psyched. It comes out yeah, the that, week. That, it comes out the week before uh, uh, before Cyberpunk, so I'm definitely gonna have to try and beat it quickly and. With with the podcast and the child, that that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. So, I, I mean, so far that's that's my first game is the new Spider Man. Um, I can my second. I, I could probably, it's probably going to be Devil May Cry. Is be my second PS Five. So if, that, if that's all we, I got in the docket right. If now. we end up doing in person shit again, you should bring the five here because I have an eighty five inch four K TV, and we should see this puppy at its best resolution. Oh, I, I agree. We, well, we might have to do that. Yeah, that's what I think. So we'll we'll see because hopefully Squawker just decides to stop not working. So, <laughs> all right, let's let's start our music section. We have our interview with Sergio Anello about his new record, No Heavier Burden, coming up. Let's take you to that interview, and we'll be right back. And as we transition to the music space, like we promised days ago. Uh, it's been a while since we've had him on for the fourth time. That's a that's some sort of a record on this podcast, this prestigious podcast. We know he's glad to be back, but we're even happier to have him back. Let's welcome back into the room Sergio Anello. Sergio, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Well, doing good, brother. <laughs> I mean, it would be better if we, we were looking at each other's faces, but it didn't work. Or as crazy as this sounds, in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine being in the at same this room? Point, no. <laughs> no, I, no, I was gonna say at, th- at this point it feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, I, I think if I'm forced to ever see anyone face to face again, I won't know how to handle it. <laughs> as much as I miss everyone. You'll you know? just you'll just Skype call them across the room and just stare at your that's face. It. Yeah. And you'll that's what people out. were doing before all this, just staring at their phone in a room anyway. That's so. right. It'll be normal again. I fear that the the last in person interview Sam and I have ever done has come and passed, which is oh, which is horrible, which is sad. But I'll tell you one thing, Serge, that I actually love seeing on your Instagram 
is them skate is them skate videos. It might be, uh, you know, aside from the people in my life, that are the only thing keeping me somewhat sane <laughs> after seven months. No, I, I believe it. And you mean shredding, Sergi? I was like, damn, I didn't realize Sergi was this good. He's got the heel I, flip on lock. He's got the heel flip on lock. One, I appreciate that, and two. It's like anything, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, if I had all the time to dedicate to something, I could get good at it. <laughs> it's like, not that I'm good in today's uh, standard, but man, I've had all the time in the world to, uh, to master a few flip tricks. You got the varial flip down. You got the heel flip down. Your heel flip's got some pop on there. That's I was always a heel flipper, uh, not a kick I- flipper. I, I've never in my off like I've, I mean technically I've been skateboarding off and on since I was eight years old, and I uh, could never do a kickflip. I've never done a kickflip in my life. So well, that's odd. I always thought the the heel flip to me when I skate was always the harder trick. Kickflip, I don't know, it just worked easier for me. It's just never made sense to me, and that's how I ended up getting a varial flip. It was just by uh, by default, maybe I don't know. Our buddy, our buddy Ryan, he uh, he's a shove man. He everything he does spins. It doesn't flip. I've never seen him land a flip trick at all. But the guy can do a five zero big spin out, and I'm like, you know, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make, but it's better than what I can do. I can do a crook shove, but he's sitting there five zero front big spin out, and I'm like. That shouldn't be possible for a man of your stature. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got their own steez. You know what I mean? You just yeah. got to make it your own. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I, man, I'll tell you though. So like, the, I think the listeners are bored out of their minds of listening to us talk about it. But Sam and I were skateboarders back in the day. And, and uh, I was sponsored by a couple companies. I had sent you my video, which was uh, pretty much a lifetime achievement for me to have you watch that video. But which I loved. I, I was like in awe. <laughs> um, that, those were those were when I was not such a large American. But I, I understand. Uh, I try to jump on a board now. I know we've said we'd go skating together, and and you know that's on me for for not doing it because I'm just so afraid that when I fall, I'm going to shatter every bone in my body simultaneously. I mean, listen, I, I'd be a liar to say that I'm not in pain all the time. My yeah. hips click. My back is shot, but yeah, I mean, that that was coming one way or the other with uh, years of diving off stage and acting like an idiot. So (laughs) just moving it along in a healthy way. You mean climbing up stacks and jumping off into crowds of kids did not, you know, that was healthy. I didn't, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, at least that I look at skateboarding as like, I could be doing a lot of worse things when stuck in the house. It's oh, yeah. somewhat positive, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you're great. It's good exercise. So, you know, you're staying skinny. That's staying a, cheap. And you know what? Damn it. It's, it's good for the soul, man. You skateboarding. I looked at skateboarding a lot. Like I look at golf or something like that. When you land a trick, one good trick and you just love it. There's that, there's that satisfaction that you go to bed at night. You're like, I did it. It's a great feeling. Oh, what? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And like everything, when I get into something or other, I become obsessive with it. So like the past few months were definitely like... Complete like, dedication I, to skating. What's, yeah, I'm like, I'm never going to play music again. I think I'm just going <laughs> to oh, be okay, a skateboarder. Okay. What's, uh, what's your current setup? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. So I was skating like your standard, uh, like eight and a quarter to eight five uh, popsicle shape. Yeah. Now I'm riding a nine and a quarter uh, by 32 wow. 90s deck Damn. with uh, independent 169 trucks, uh, bone Swiss bearing or bone reds. Yeah, got I go with the reds. Bearings. Nice. 
I can't afford Swiss. I think they're the more expensive. <laughs> they're like one. fifty bucks. No way. Yeah, Give me the bugger. Red, red bones are like thirty, but they're still really good bearings. And then I switch between um, Spitfire uh, 101 conical fulls in a 56 mil. Oh, damn. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. And then I have a pair of like really worn out uh, 54 mil tablets that are probably like 51s now. Yeah. That like feel like a, feels like I'm watching an old 411 video <laughs> when I ride that. Yeah. With the small wheels. Well, you're so. not you're not riding over any pebbles with those 56s. That's for sure. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Dude, I was a so I'm a low truck, small wheel. I'm a 50, 51, like max. Um, okay. So that was always, and I ride fast. So, and I never cleared things. So, like, if I was going up to do something and it was rocky, I generally just ate shit from stopping suddenly <laughs> and flying yep. forward. Uh, yeah, that or, or jumping off your board. Yeah, that was, uh, man, I miss those days. My current setup, I have. Oh my God. I have this old, there's a skate shop. It was, I think it's closed now. It's called rain. I have one of their blank decks with a shark on it. I have a girl in my trunk, not a female listeners. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's a brand. It is a brand of skateboard is girl skateboards. I have one of those in my trunk, just the deck, just sitting there, venture trucks, red bones. And I, I think spits, but uh, I was never a Richter guy, but I might have gotten them. But I think I think Spitz. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. I I got that board in 13, and that's just how long oh, it's yeah. been since I've skated. No, like the the trucks and the wheels and stuff. They've been through hell. Uh, my kingpin, I think, can touch the ground when I stand on it. So it's it's grinded the shit. Go. I have like a and there's like a from doing all the crooked grinds. I literally have like a I don't know like a wedge in my truck so I can lock in really really well. But now that I'm 230, it just, I don't lock. I just plop. What, uh, what width deck do you typically ride? Uh, dude, when I was, I was 763, my whole skateboarding career. And then I went, I stopped for seven years. I got back into it. I went to the shop and I said, can I get a 763? He's like, you're old now. I was like, yeah, okay. That's a fair point. What do you recommend? He goes eight to eight, two, five. And I was like, never. I hated, hated wide decks growing up. But I said, you know what? I guess I have bigger feet, bigger balance. I'm a bigger man. Yeah. So I tried the 825, and it it was a life changer. Life changer. It's crazy when you, when you start toying around with the equipment. Because when I got that that 925, I'm like, there's no way. And now, like, my flip tricks are actually bigger and, like, way smoother than if I ride, like, a standard popsicle shade. Mm. Man, I miss, oh, I miss it. I miss it. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna have to go out someday soon, and you'll get that human contact you've been urging for. It just, it'll have to be with me, so there, you know, you could think of better ways to spend a day. We'll, we'll take the tape measures. So <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there. Uh, that, that's a, that was a good trip down memory lane, and keep the skateboarding videos coming. Now, Sam, you mentioned on his Instagram, Serge. Where is that Instagram? It is uh, Sergio F T R G I O underscore Anello A N E L L O. And you have some new music out. That's that's the reason we're talking to you tonight. I mean, obviously to to catch up, it's been a while. I think the last time you were on this show was uh, just under a year ago, or I believe it was like last November. You had a Christmas song coming out or a holiday yes. song, so we had you on for that. Let's talk about this. You have some new music. What is it, and when's it coming out? So uh, I have a new six-song EP, record, whatever you want to call it, uh, called No Heavier Burden. It's coming out October 23rd on Sunday Drive Records. 
Um, currently, I have uh, vinyl up for, for pre-sale. You could get that at the link in my Instagram. And uh, I'm really excited for it. It's, you know, we were, we record, not to get ahead of us, but we recorded uh, March of 2020. Just by dumb luck, there was a little bit of time for me and Ace to get together. And two weeks later, we all went into quarantine. <laughs> so it's wow. wacky how that all happened. Wow. wow. Absolutely wacky. Now, you mentioned Ace. Of course, you're referring to Ace Enders of the early November, which you play bass in as well. Um yep. So with that, we asked you the first time, the same question. We asked you the same question the first time we had John all the way back in July of 2017. So I would like to think our listenership is maybe different and bigger now. So I'll re-ask it. Where did you record it? And uh, we've been there, so we, we know all about it. But let our listeners, where did you record it and what is it all about? So uh, the studio is the Lumberyard Recording in Hamilton, New Jersey, it's uh, ran by Ace Enders, early November, Nick Berzese of uh, Man Overboard, and now he's got his, his own solo stuff, uh, Casaloma, correct? Yep. yep. Make sure I said that right. And then uh, my good buddy, Dom Maggi, that works there. So I, I recorded in, in Hamilton. It's where I did my Christmas single. It's where I did uh, my first solo record, Tell Her Be Told. Um. This record, personally, I think, you know, I, I know everybody says this, but it's it's a lot different <laughs> than my first one. Um, I don't want to say polar opposite. It's still me, but it's uh, it's a lot different of a direction. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for people to finally hear it. I have a single out right now. Actually, there's there's been two. Um, first one we put out a few months back, which is the title track, No Ever Your Burden. And then we just released uh, someone to love. Yeah, a couple of days ago. And and, and if I, I was gonna say, if I remember correctly, even when you're all the way back to your first record when that came out, you guys already had songs you were playing at the bit to get recording. So it was good to see that finally you got to get that second one out. Yeah, and what's funny is like you know at the time, uh, I was basically writing like another everyone knows style record. You know, just wanted it to to be like more mature or whatever you want to call it. And then, uh, as time goes on and, you know, life happens, it, it just kind of took a completely different direction. And, you know, I, I will say this without, without spoiling it. So Sam and I, we got an advanced copy of the record. So we've heard it. We've listened to it. I've only told you one piece of feedback. I said, I would save the rest, uh, yeah. for, for this show, which I will do. But Sam texted me today and we were just kind of talking and prepping for what we, you know, would want to kind of cover today and, and all this good stuff. And you said it, this record's in a different direction. And that is the exact two words Sam had said to me in a good, in a good way of this is a different direction than the first one. So kind of talk to us about that approach. What made you want to take a different direction? I think uh, the best way I could explain it, it wasn't so much like I was like, all right, I want to do something totally different. It's just, when I did the first record, like I wanted this, uh, like almost crazy production of like horns and strings. And, you know, I, it was my first time like singing and writing my own songs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And as those years passed between finishing that record and like starting to play out live, I noticed that, uh, you know, more times than not, 
I was in a situation where I had to duplicate these songs that have like a million different things going on in them, just acoustic. And it was, uh, it was for lack of better words, kind of like overwhelming to try and figure out. So as I started writing more, I wanted it to be based like just around an acoustic guitar and my voice and then build off of that. Where the first one, I'd come in, play something acoustic and be like, well, I don't want it to sound anything like this, but this, yeah. is, the, this is the direction I'm, I'm trying to go for. So this was just like the reverse. It's more stripped down. It's more, uh, I don't want to say straightforward because that makes it sound uh, like like not exciting, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's stripped back and it's, it's uh, you get what you get kind of vibe. Yeah, and I love that it, it's short and sweet. And I don't know what it is about me, Serge. I have a thing for last songs on on records, but we all fall easily. My favorite song off off the record. I don't know what it is. I gravitate towards the last songs. I just thought that was beautiful. I I, I appreciate that. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Like, and it, it's weird because like when you talk about last songs, the last song on a Tell Be Told, Shadowcaster. I remember like doing that. It was the hardest one to, to like figure out exactly how I want to get the sound. And I remember saying to myself like, "This is the direction that the next record will will go into." So it was almost like a, I was trying to bridge the gap with that last yeah. song. Oh, that makes with, perfect sense. Yeah, and then with We All Fall, it was the last song that I had written before going in to record that I knew I wanted to use. And it was like I had all these ideas for what the production would be. And at the end of the day, we were just like, all right, I'm going to go in the room. Let's let's see if we could grab it. And two takes live, and, and we got it. So Awesome. It's the, yeah. it's the crescendo, man. It's the, it's the, the big ender. And, and even if it's not the big ender, sometimes I like that stripped back, like you said, kind of song to, to almost let you know, all right, cool down now records coming to an end in the best way possible. So while I agree with that, I, I actually tend to gravitate towards the opener track and, uh, of records. And there's no difference with this one. You're only faking is, is my favorite tune. Uh, on the record and I know you had shared similar sentiments that you like this song too I mean you like them all it's kind of your own record so I'd hope you would um, <laughs> you better like them all <laughs> but your only faking has a different vibe to it than anything I've heard before maybe besides Snake Charmer I, I think that this one and that one kind of uh, uh, sound a little similar but kind of what's the story behind your only faking well I was going to say what's cool is there's, there's like a story to that that like holds some sort of weight with this record but that's the first song that I wrote after uh, Tell Her Be Told like was finally finished and mastered. And it was like, not that I stopped writing, you know, during the process, but it was kind of like I couldn't I couldn't move on to the next thing. till I knew that Tell Her Be Told was totally done, like as lame as it sounds like I needed to shut that chapter and be done with it before I could start writing again. And I, I can remember sitting in the back room of my parents' house and I recorded that to my phone and I was like, all right, I think I got something here. And, uh, it was a song that almost didn't make this because I had so much written and I would like send these demos back and forth to the guys in the van when we were touring. And Ace was like, ah, you know, 
I don't know if he didn't like the song, but I think he just liked the other ones a little bit more. And when we went in to record, I was like, listen, I got a really good feeling about this song. I was like, and the only way I could explain it is I want it to sound very like the Beatles first time on television. <laughs> and I think it was, we put on uh, a video, the Ed, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. If I'm nice. wrong, you know, I correct myself, but we watched this and, uh, we kind of just like went to town with it and Six. You know, like the structure of the song was there already, but right. it's just that certain tone that needed to come across. So I, I didn't, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get the, I didn't like off the top of my head. The first thing I thought was Ed Sullivan Beatles, but you'd be shocked if I told you the first thing I did think about was that underlying guitar. And I did say sixties Brit pop, like that sixties British invasion, that guitar feel is exactly what that song has in it. So, I mean, listen, now that you say it, you've put the pedestal out there as the greatest band of all time with the Beatles. I'll say it. It's up there. It's up. There. It might not be like right there, but it's up there. Don't ever, don't ever expect me to agree with anything like that. But I mean, I think uh, imitation. What do they say? Imitation is the best form of uh, flattery or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the goal was just to um, to have this like thing that was me come off in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so yeah. Now the one comp I gave you on this record. Um, and it really shines through in someone to love that this song, as soon as I heard it, I was like, okay, this is 2015 to 2000, like to modern day vampire weekend. And, you know, I don't always love just doing comps because like, it's your music. It's not vampire. It's not this, it's not that. But if I get the vibe, I'm going to tell you about it. And, and you had said, oh, you know what? I actually like getting comps because it gives you an idea of, of where people's heads at. Um, you know, what? Not like what were you going for, because we kind of already talked about that, but what types of music do you, in general, are you drawing from as you write just in general? So every record, I mean, I guess, you know, or every time I go in and record something, it's a little bit different. But for this, and especially this song in general, uh, prior to this record, I was listening to a lot of Casey Musgraves. I was listening to a lot of Raylan Baxter. So if you're not familiar with him, you got to check out all his stuff. He's just great. Um, a lot of Shaky Graves, you know, always with the, the 50s and 60s music. But yeah. it's funny because when I was like showing Ace, like what songs I was thinking, that song, I was like, oh, wait, I have this one. And he was like, all right, I want to work on that first. So we recorded it. Um, and it's, in my opinion, it kind of sounded like something off of uh, the mother from the mother of the mechanic in the path that sure. had that vibe. Sure. Yeah. And normally I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to hug this so tight. Like, let's let it go on to the next. And when I came into the studio the next day, he was like, I think it's too boxy. Like, I got to do right by you. Let's let's switch this around. And it was the one that I think both of us had, had the least amount of clue on where it would go. And uh, if you, like, strip the little sounds that are going on back, it's very, very open. And we were, like, kind of playing around with, like, the vocal effects. We didn't really know where exactly we were taking her or maybe I wasn't explaining what I was thinking. And it was just kind of like one of those catching lightning in the, in a bottle type of type of thing. So 
funny enough, it ends up being the, uh, you know, the one that we're pushing first. Yeah. I have two. Uh, I have two questions left, and then I'll kick it to Sam for whatever else he wants to ask before we wrap up. But the first being, uh, you said you know this record's being released under Sunday Drive Records. That's got to feel freaking good. How'd that come about? That partnership. Uh, so I'll keep it short. But I was on tour, and you know I I got back out with the early November on that tour and you know I was talking about looking for someone to release it and Ace had mentioned you know a bunch of different uh people I thought I should reach out to and I reached out to Sunday Drive who's uh ran by Jonathan Gonzalez who's just a fantastic dude and his work work ethic is so so on point they're like I don't know I just you know when you have a good feeling instantly about somebody and you just yep. kind of hit it off right away. That's how Sam and I uh, met. That's how Sam and I met. Or like how me and you guys that's, met. That's We're right. still buds. <laughs> four, <laughs> legit. That's three, four years ago now. But I, uh, you know, I got in touch with him and we went back and forth with things. And, you know, it was never like, uh, are you going to like sign with me and do this with me? It was just kind of like, we were talking about it as if it was just always our plan of attack mm. right off the bat. And, you know, that just clicked. Yeah, we clicked. And yeah. he's such a, he, like, I can't say uh, good enough things about him. He, he's done all the art uh, for the record, the layout. And he, he, you know, I'm the type of person that needs like, like some sort of management, not because like I can't get my stuff together, but because I'm old and I don't know how things work online and stuff like that. <laughs> and he's very just like patient and, you know, if I need something, he gets right back to me or if he needs something, I do the same. And it's just a cool dude all around. So if you're not familiar with the label, please uh, do yourself a favor and go check it out. It's one more time. It's Sunday drive records. I wonder where the name came from. <laughs> which, which is also funny enough. <laughs> uh, my last question, and then I'll kick it to Sam for whatever he wants to ask is, uh, you know, we talked for a couple minutes before we recorded about the world we live in. And no, we're not talking about the election. We're talking about the, the pandemic and not seeing people and all this stuff. And you would normally go out and you would tour and you would, you would do a supporting tour for this record. But right now that's not possible. So for you, What's the plan post-release in this crazy new world we live in? I mean, I think about this stuff constantly. And, you know, in the beginning of the, the whole pandemic thing, I was like, I don't want to get online and, and just play because that's like not where my heart was at the time. You know what I mean? I feed off that like the audience. Room, an audience you that's know, why Sam, life. that's why Sam and I gravitated towards you as 12 year olds because you, <laughs> you own the shit out of the stage, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You, like I, I always say, this story starts uh, like one of my first concerts was like Seether, Papa Roach, and Stained. Stained headline, and you know Papa Roach, they were great. Energy Seether was great. Stained, they just stood there. Like it was one of the most boring like enders I've ever saw. And like seeing you guys, you guys are running around the stage on that energy. Like I thrived on that enthusiasm. And that, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like I'm, you know, as many shows as I've played, it's, it's as many shows as I've maybe not as many shows as I've gone to, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of music and it's not so much that you need for me. Like I need to see a band 
doing backflips or you know throwing guitars around but it's a certain vibe that you get like if somebody's passionate about what they're doing and how they're doing it it really uh you know it really comes across there's plenty of music maybe i wasn't into and then i saw it live and i just fell in love with it so my plan of attack right now is just to make as there's no rules anymore do you know what i mean no no, i agree so make as much as i can because i want to not because you know, I, I need to keep the internet entertained because that's that's somebody else. That's not me to begin with. You know, the people yeah. that want to care will care, but I really get excited about making new music, releasing if you know if, if we have the video in the works. Just just a lot of different things that that I've been uh, throwing out there for the next few months. And who knows if it gets to a point where I could safely play out. Uh, and there's people there to watch. That'd be cool too. But for the time being, it's just you know keep keep pushing, keep writing, and if and when things clear up, you know, <laughs> be ready for the next step. No, yeah, because my question was basically similar. I was wondering, I was like, have you talked to Ace? Because you know they were about to, you know, he was about to do I can make a mess. He was about to do a concert that me and Greg were going to. Like I don't know if like did the guys talk was there a game plan? Like I see now that some comedians. They're going to like stadiums. They're doing shows in parking lots or like little venues like that. Little like uh, comedy shows. Like they're just obviously only what twenty five percent of people can be in there. I didn't know if you're doing something like that or I know Vinny from the movie. Like he's doing like shows from his living room, like acoustic sets. Like uh, what else can they do? Because you know you guys got to make a living also. Yeah, and, and I mean that's listen. That's that's the hardest thing. I think I think with anything like you know not only do I play music live, but I have, I have to work every day just like the next person. So this year has just thrown a real uh, wrench in the mix as far as, you know, being able to play out live or for most people even, you know, have a job anymore. So there's, there's nothing set in stone, but I also think uh, maybe that's the beauty of it, that anything could pop up today, tomorrow or the next day. And, uh, you know, it could be an opportunity to play in front of people or, or make something new or just do your best to, to try and keep people's attention with whatever you have going on. So, yeah, that's literally what we do. That's literally what we do every day. That's it. You know, so yeah. doing stuff like this and being able to talk about the record and having the time to get creative and try different outlets for things is, uh, you know, it's fun for me. Yeah. So, you guys will be the first to know if, <laughs> if I have anything planned. Awesome. Sam, anything else? I, I mean, it just like it sucks because you know, I want to keep talking because it's been so long since we actually, you know, I was hoping to see you on the same freaking website, but of course it doesn't work. Ah, just, I'm, I'm just, you know, just, just a little frustrated, but I just want to say, of course, you know, we love you. We wish you all the success in the world. And, you know, you we're always in your corner. Uh, dude, I appreciate it. Love you guys. And, and listen, I'm excited to be able to, to just see as softy as anything, whether it's music related or just, you know, shooting the shit and getting together. So hopefully, not that I see it happening today or tomorrow, but sometime yeah. soon. <laughs> one day soon, one day soon. We'll go Things uh, will, uh, ease up. We'll go, we'll go skate soon. We have to. Before, yeah. before it gets too cold, we just have to. That's just it, because I'll tell you what, it's getting dark at 7 o'clock at night. 
You okay, you, you, guys, you guys can skate, and I can I can be the camera guy. <laughs> That'll be awesome. That's no problem. <laughs> All right, Serge, man, thank you so much for coming on again. That is at Sergio underscore Anello. Link in the episode description, uh, and we're looking forward to the record coming out just uh, in in about a week now. So, uh, looking forward to it, bud. Thank you guys very, very much for having me. And it's always a good time when I get to talk to you. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Take care. All right. Uh, you guys still. All right. Serge, do a kickflip. You got it. Always a good conversation. I just, I just, like, I just wish we could see him. I know. It sucked. Sorry. <sighs> sorry for the technical difficulties and the, and the, you guys all hearing some phones cut in and out even right now. So, like, Listen, it wasn't our intention, believe me. We tried forever. We're doing this on the phone, not like we want to, but uh, super psyched to have Serge back on for the fourth time. Again, no heavier burden coming out 1023. Check it out. And thanks for sticking around for that interview. Our other friend of the pod, Jake Fine, is releasing an EP called For Something the day after Serge, October 24th. He does our intro and outro music. Yeah, so again, again I, I, I like... His guitar playing alone is worth his follow on IG. It's, it it's, it's beautiful. It sure is. I, I just want, I, I'll, I'll go down that hole. You know, you just look at the next one. You're like, all right, I, I actually got to do work today. <laughs> 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 I, I got to go with the phone. That's good. Yeah. So check out Jake Fine, October 24th for someone. Uh, our last story in music for something bef- for something for something. I'm sorry. Our last story in music before we go into our other section is bearings released a new track. Our friends of the podcast. We had bearings on our last interview before the pandemic, our last live interview. Uh, it is called super deluxe. What'd you think about it? It's a banger. Yeah, it sure is. I already freaking love it. Can't wait for this freaking album. It, it, it was just awesome knowing that what we were talking to them, that they talked to us about the album that they're working on. It's almost done. And now it's finally coming out. Like it, it just, it, it just, it feels bittersweet. Yeah, for me, Super Deluxe is not as good as Sway, but it's up there. It's up there. But they're they're catchy, and they just got that awesome sound. That, I don't know. Barons is one of my like favorite like new bands that I really got into. Yeah, I know. It's it's almost like it's almost like Sam. I I give him a band to listen to. He does it, and then he likes it. And I don't know why the fuck he doesn't do it more often. Because I saw sometimes I believe I give it a try. Barons was one to me. It just it hit right away. I I basically talk about new bands every week, and this guy's like, I don't listen to music, and I'm like, well, then fucking listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. Uh, In the other section, a new generation of iPhone has been revealed, and boy, howdy, did it kind of just fall flat? Yeah, I looked. I I didn't watch the presentation. I just saw images. Like it looks like the old iPhone. What seven? Four. It looks like the four. Four. Is that the four? The blocky one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Although I thought it was seven. No. I mean, it's still a thousand dollars. I was like, oh my god. Well, I think they have like an eight hundred dollar or a seven hundred dollar version. But like, listen, great camera, amazing screen. It's got like porcelain over the glass so it's even harder to break it can sit underwater for 25 minutes and not be damaged all this good stuff but at the end of the day what i care about photo video right that's what i care about and then set and then other than that i just want the fucking headphone jack to be there and the charge it's not coming with headphones anymore it's not coming with a charger block it's got mag wow. magnet charge technology. Go fuck yourself. I don't want all this shit. Just let me plug in my phone. They're saying it's environmentally conscious. I'm sitting there thinking it's a pandemic and you're cutting costs. Go fuck yourself, <laughs> Apple. Like, I mean, hey, as long as my phone still works, 
Dude, if I if the God forbid this phone broke, I had to get a new one. I might go by get this one or the one before it. Like, I am, I'm, I'm good. I'm all over them like shit on like flies on shit. Like I was about to say like shit on rice. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I was like, wait, this is gonna confuse me. I, I just I the twelve man and this what sucks is it's gonna set the precedent for the future of Apple phones and the thirteen and fourteen are all gonna be like that. And well, it's well, just assuming that it does good, which I'm sure it is going to do good, but you know you gotta check sales first. I I'm very happy with my eleven. And I could see just going to the 11 Max or the 11 Pro or the 11 Ocho or whatever the fuck they're going to call whatever they call this thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I still have the 10. I have my wife has the eight. My parents have the seven. I have the 11. I, we don't need the latest and greatest. I mean, I literally have the 11. So technically it's the latest and greatest, but it's not the 11 Pro. It's not the 11 Pro. I actually yeah. I actually like not having a home button now. I've completely gotten used to it and I actually hate the home button now. So <laughs> kudos that's the one thing about the new phones i dig and the nighttime photo mode but let's get into our yeah, top three I, I do like the nighttime let, let, the let, let's get into our top three because this is this show has just been annoying for me so far there's a lot of there's we're doing over the phone i can hear a whole bunch of feedback right now it's bothering me let's just let's just keep on trucking logic the rapper bought a two hundred and twenty five thousand dollar first edition i don't even think it was shadowless base set charizard Pokemon card, the most expensive PSA 10 graded, the most expensive Pokemon card ever sold. And we've done our top three favorite Pokemon cards before. And I believe they were all hollows anyway, but we wanted to do our top three favorite holographic Pokemon cards. Listen, 1999, these things started with Wizards of the Coast. And uh, now the Pokemon company is kind of taken over and, and they print them now. Champions Path, uh, is gone in stores. I've been trying to find Champions Path and I can't. So uh, there goes that. Trying to find me that rainbow Gigantamax Charizard. But anyway, yeah, good uh, luck. It's a very rare card, but you never know, uh, you know. But regardless, uh, let's start talking about it. Our top three favorite hollows. And uh, my, all my old school Pokemon. That's the memories I have of collecting Pokemon. Right from Pokemon. Soon after, I, I stopped and mentioned with Yu-Gi-Oh. But my number three, one of my favorite hollows, was the Nine Tails. I just thought the card was beautiful. And of course, it did Fire Blast. It did 80 damage. So that was a big deal for us. Fire, the Ninetales was nice. It had the nice blue background. So the Ninetales popped. I remember that card very yeah. well. Um, it's such a shame. I kicked my ass because I had a fucking full base set, hollows and all, all 102 cards. And I just gave them away. I didn't even sell them. And it's just so frustrating that I, my childhood self let that happen. I, uh, I hate myself for that. Yo, hey, bro. It happened to us all, man. I know. It happened I know. to us all. Except nowadays when Facebook Marketplace is a thing. But anyway, uh, Blastoise base set is my number three. I have two base sets and one non-base set. You see, it was so hard to keep off my list. Blastoise, number two of 102. So rare-ish. Uh, I mean, you can grab one ungraded for like 100 bucks, probably. You know, PSA I, graded. Good. I think he's actually the second most expensive out of that base set uh yeah it's it's goes charizard blastoise venusaur the big three and then chansey's up there uh mewtwo's kind of up there alakazam was the first uh rare it was the most rare is one of 102 but uh anyway yeah blastoise is it goes for i think a couple thousand bucks if if like a nine or ten psa grade but wonderful artwork blastoise one of my favorite pokemon you'll see a theme with that for me um, and they, I, I think they nailed the card. My number two is a, another rare one. I'm holding the card in my hand. 
is Dragonite. Yeah, from Fossil, right? From Fossil. I have it first edition in my hand. I'm hoping for like anything higher than a seven, I'm happy. But you know, on the bottom, it's four out of 62. So the Dragonite was definitely one of the rare ones. And it just looks like a cute little innocent dragon in this picture. Always freaking low dragon, one of my favorite Pokemon. And I think it, it all stems from like what? Who did we find? He was was it Lance who with the with Dragonite? Lance had multiple Dragonites. I mean, yo, it was just he was always so freaking tough. And basically, isn't himself? Isn't he like a legendary Pokemon considered? Uh, Dragonite. Yeah. No, but he's I get, he's like a suit. They call him pseudo legendary or pseudo mythical. He should be. He's right up there with Arcanine, who you know is actually called the legendary Pokemon. And in the episode of the anime where they go to Bill's uh, lighthouse, they have an Arcanine up on the wall next to Mewtwo and the legendary birds. And then the big giant Pokemon in the sea is Dragonite. So listen, we we know he's like, he's we know. We know what the deal is. Yeah. Uh, my number two is from the jungle set. Only 64 cards in the jungle set. This is 10 of 64, and it's such a beautiful card. One of my favorites to draw growing up, my first, actually the first Pokemon card I ever drew, Scyther. Oh, yeah, you always loved Scyther back yeah. in the day. Yeah, it's a beautiful card. I, I, again, had multiple and just don't have many. Uh, well, my, my number one, no surprise. My favorite Pokemon, I used to own it in the first edition. Charizard, Logic, you lucky bastard. I know he got one. I know Logan Paul got one. Everyone's getting their their, their gym mint tents. It's so far out of our reach because I don't think we have 150 plus K to buy it. And I'm, I'm lucky if one day if I just own not even a first edition, just a regular unlimited, you know, a solid five, six, seven. Or, or Damien, actually, I, I think he owns a, um, a Char- I think he has a Charizard 5.0, if I'm not mistaken, PSA. Mm-hmm. But that's just one of my cards that I definitely want to own again. Yeah, even a Charizard 9 PSA is going for 55K right now. So I just, <laughs> ouch. Yeah. My number one's Alakazam. He's my favorite Pokemon. He's my favorite Pokemon card. I love the color purple. Um, I always thought when the one of 102 was like, this is the, you want to talk about base set, this is number one. So I, I don't know. I always thought it was like the rarest one growing up or whatever. Come, yeah. to, come to realize Alakazam is just a badass. Um, yeah, two spoons. Come on. Uh, love Alakazam. Love all these cards. I love watching like Leonhart, and I love going on Facebook Marketplace and looking to purchase them and just getting back into Pokemon cards. It's just a cool thing. I'm super psyched I, on I've it. I've been watching a lot of pack openings. Yeah. Do you watch it's, it's, Do you watch Leonhart? Yeah, I, I actually did just start following him. I followed another guy on Instagram who's one of the big guys, investors, and, and that basically knows, knows a, a whole bunch about it and everything from heavy first edition stamp to light first edition stamp. Yeah. There's so many details that I, n- I never knew. So you know, oh, it's yeah. always good to learn something. Yeah. You get the gray stamp first edition. That's worth a ton more. You get like the red cheeks, Pikachu, you get Miss oh, yeah. Prince, you get all these cool things. So yeah, there's a lot where it says like wait and wait. Yep. 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 Yeah. All right, Sam, let's get out of here. CGC spotlight. What do you got? CGC spotlight this week is detective comics. Four Oh five. The first appearance of the league of assassins. This came out in November 1970. I have it in 9.2 off-white white pages. Denny O'Neill and Frank Robbins stories. Bob Brown, Gil Kane, and Frank Gaiusha art with a classic Neil Adams cover. I actually own this book for a while now. I don't even remember who the hell I got it from, but definitely bit my collection of the League of Assassins. Um, obviously, Ra's al Ghul and Tayo Ghul, love all them. 
CGC census, there's actually, surprisingly, there's five nine eights on the census, 16 nine sixes, 23 nine fours, and 41 nine twos, only 279 total graded copies. You may say, oh, that's a lot. But when you think about books like The Punisher and The First Appearance of the Hulk, both of them books each have over 10,000 graded copies of each. So that just good. Just I just want people to know it, how expensive The Punisher is, how expensive the Hulk book is right now. They're thousands of dollars, and there's so many out there in the wild. Here, there's only 279 that are actually graded blue label. Just wanted to put that out there. And the story we got is the first of assassins. The bat signal is activated, and Batman answers its summons. Commissioner Gordon informs Batman about a number of murders that have taken place in Europe. And according to the information by Interpol, the next target will be at Gotham Harbor. Now, can Batman get there in time? You'll have to find out. And that was Detective Comics 405. And that was episode 207. Before we go, I cannot believe I forgot to tell you, I have rolled credits on Crash 4. Oh, you beat me, you bastard. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had no time to play this week. Yeah. I got one day where we, we, we were talking about the levels. The final boss is actually not difficult. It only took me like four tries. Um, That's not bad. I knew you were saying the levels were getting very, the, very tough. The games. level before that, though, the last actual level you'll play, uh, 85 deaths, I think. Oh, my God. It was it was hard. And it was literally only the last section. I can breeze through the first seven-eighths of it. The last section, you use all four masks that you get in the game all like at the same time, one after another, and it's just without – and you cannot – get touched or you die it's difficult man but oh man uh, good good luck with that but then it's actually kind of a nice last boss fight because it's pretty easy so road credits and i'm gonna tell you sam i have never meant this more than i'm gonna say right now you personally samuel matoro need to finish this game because when the credits roll it starts with something that i think is going to melt you i think you're going oh, to love awesome. so you need personally you need to roll the credits in this game and I, I will, you know, I will. It just, you know, this, this, this is a rough week, and, and ho- hopefully next week I can uh, get back into it. All right, everybody, that was episode 207. Hopefully uh, things are back and running next week and we can get back to the uh, the crystal clear audio goodness you're used to, but that's the, that's a next week problem. Uh, we'll see you then for episode 208. Surprise, motherfucker. Hey.